Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Tim of I Saw the Lord Ministries. We're going to be putting on some worship music, and we encourage you to worship the Lord, and we'll play uh, anywhere between three songs, maybe up to about seven songs, while we give people time to connect over the Internet and over their telephone lines. And then when I feel like I've given everybody enough time, we will pray and begin the sermon. I appreciate people that's tuned in today. Some people will listen live, and other people will listen later in the day or tomorrow or even next week because of different time zones around the world. So we'll put on some worship music and begin worshiping the Lord. Thank you. 
you have heard that God is omnipresent and uh, omniscience is basically, if you break down the two words of the, uh, how you pronounce it, Brittany, of the omni, omnipotent and omniscience. I mean, there's omni this and omni that, and a lot of these words I can't pronounce. But the word omni is a Latin word for all. And so that's where we get the omni, omnipresent, omniscient, so forth. Uh, the Greek word would be pas, P-A-S, and it's pronounced almost identical with P-A-S-S, but you don't uh, stretch out the S as long. So it's, it's not pass, but it's pass. And it doesn't matter how you pronounce any word except for Jesus. So there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the name of Jesus is extremely important. Amen. But when it comes to a lot of other words, you can mispronounce and mispronounce and it doesn't make that much difference. But we need to know the name of our Father and that name is Jesus. God is not only omnipresent, he is omni-involved in our lives, in our thinking, in our actions. Amen. So, uh, we're going to be starting in the book of Matthew, chapter 10. If you'd like to be, go ahead and turn into Matthew, chapter 10. And for those that may be listening for the first time, we we... Uh, on the website, if you have visited the website, I Saw the Light Ministries, you know that all the articles are written on the website in the King James Version scriptures. But for the purpose of worship services, we read from New American Standard Bible. And if you would like to know why we're reading from the New American Standard Bible during services. There's an article on the website about that. I'm not going to get into that because that's not our topic today. But the, the information is available to you on the website at isawthelightministries.com. There's an article about King James Version prepared to New American Standard Bible. And what is the name of God? That article right there gives a whole lot of information about why we are reading from New American Standard Bible. You're welcome to try to follow along the King James Bible as we read. In Matthew 10, verse 29, Matthew 10, verse 29, are not two sparrows, two tiny little birds. Now this earth is thousands of miles around and has billions of of inhabitants of humans and billions and upon billions of inhabitants of birds and insects and animals. But two little tiny birds, sparrows, sowed for a scent. And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, meaning that even though there are billions upon billions 
and trillions of insects and animals upon the earth, even if just one bird among all this earth falls to the ground, God knows it. Even in the middle of the woods where there are no people, no cameras, no internet, no computers, no technology, only the birds and the animals and the insects by themselves. But they are not really by themselves. In the middle of the wilderness, God is present. Amen. Praise God. God is present in the middle of the wilderness. God is present down deep in the valley and high on the mountaintop. He is present at all times and all places. But he's not just present. He is involved. Amen. Verse 30, that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Amen. You may have hundreds or thousands of hair strands, but God knows the exact number. And if just one hair falls from your head, you may not even realize it, but God does. That is how present God is and how all-knowing and how all-involved, omni-involved that God is. He is so concerned, interested in you, interested in you, and your life, what's going on with you. He's so interested in you that he knows things that you don't even know about yourself, sees things upon your own body, knows if one hair is missing. And that's on your own body, your physical body. And you don't even know it's missing, but God does. God is a very intimate friend. Amen. Praise God. Verse 31, do you not, so do not fear. You are more valuable. You are very valuable to God. Amen. Praise God. You are more valuable than one bird, two birds, three birds. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. The book of Hebrews chapter 4. I believe that there's a verse that says, some words, it is written some words that you are the apple of his eye. Amen. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living. Now, in one sense, this is talking about the scriptures, how the scriptures are 
really, truly living. But we must also remember that Jesus is the Word of God, John chapter 1. He is the Word. He also is living. And Jesus is the one that spoke to Moses, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you and I. So he is the verbal and living speech of God, the word of God that speaks to us even now in our hearts and in our minds. Amen. For the word of God is living and active. He's not just omnipresent. He is omni-involved. He is omni-active. Amen. He's not a couch potato God, and he doesn't want couch potato followers. Amen. You know, I think of when people go to a music concert, the artists on the stage feel better and feel more loved and appreciated. If the audience stands up, uh, for example, at a standing ovation, but not only at a standing ovation, but also during the music, if we're talking about a musical concert that if the people sit in their seats with their arms crossed and stiff face, and the artist looks down upon the crowd, that's not very good feedback. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The scriptures say that he inhabits our praises And even though a lot of people are raised in stiff-necked churches that tell you that you must not raise your hands to God, that you cannot stand up, that you must sit in your seat, keep your mouth zipped, keep your mouth shut, regardless of that bondage of those type of churches, truth is, God wants a people that will stand up. God wants a people that will raise their hands and worship him and serve him. God wants a people that will voluntarily get up out of their seats. Amen. Praise God and worship him. In fact, in the temple, they did not sit down. They stood and worshiped. Even many times throughout the first few centuries, even today in parts of the world, in many, many parts of the world, the congregation does not sit, but stand. But today, a person can stand at Walmart for an hour or two hours, but not for five minutes during services because the body is at war against the spirit. 
But verse 12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and man. So this word of God gets deep within your soul. Amen. If we are not blocking it with a hard head and hard heart, but even if we are blocking it, this sword is able to penetrate deep and know our heart, know our thoughts. He's not just up there millions of miles up in the sky, but alive in our heart, circumcising our flesh, committing surgery on our fleshly carnal souls. Cut me, O Lord. Amen. Cut the sins from my heart. Penetrate deep. Convict me of my sins. And create in me a clean heart and a clean mind. Cut away the waste. Cut away the carnality. Cut away the sin and the transgressions. Cut away the wicked thoughts. Cut away. Cut away, my Lord. As far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, God goes deep. Amen. He's not looking for superficial people. He's not looking for people with a godly appearance or enough makeup or painted toenails. He is looking for a people of a sincere heart who will voluntarily worship and serve him and love him back. Amen. Verse 13. And there is no creature, sparrows, birds, rabbits, squirrels, or even humans, there is no creature hidden from his sight, even in the woods, even in the caves, even underground, even in the bunkers, even in your prayer closet. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are woken and laid bare, King James says, naked, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. Praise God. You can hide from other people the mole on your thigh or on your belly that God knows, God sees. Amen. God is not only omnipresent and all-knowing, but all-involved. And he cares and truly understands your needs and your wants. He understands and he cares. Verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest, you cannot overstate that word great. Since we have great high priest. That word great and high, right there together, is like the word almighty. All together. 
combining two great words in one, the great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, which that word Jesus, God with us, God with us, God present. They're not just being present, but loving and caring. So much that he loved us while we were still yet sinners, still lost, still wicked. He still loved us, but still also expecting us to repent everywhere, all men everywhere to repent. Jesus, us, God with us, the manifestation of God with us, the Son of God, meaning that he put himself into a body like ours, humbling himself. The Bible even said that he humbled himself. And dwell with ten toes and ten fingers, with hair on his legs, with dirt between his toes. He loved us so much that he left heaven, left the glory of heaven, left the glory of the golden throne to save us. He got in the ditch to pull us out. He got down in the muddy, grimy, wet, nasty, filthy ditch of this earth, created himself a human body to dig us out of this pit that we are in and to prevent us from going to the lake of fire. He is God Almighty. Let us, because of all of this, let us hold fast. The word hold fast means to grip tight. Hold fast, grip tight, don't let go because the hurricane is blowing, the earth is shaking, the missiles are going to hit Fasten your seatbelts. Hold fast our confession. Amen. Confession of our faith. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, not two, not three, not four, not five hundred, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Amen. Praise God. Therefore, let us draw near. Come. And the bride said come. And the spirit said come. Let us draw near with confidence. Confidence. Knowing that he wants us to come near. Knowing that he has invited us, we are welcome. We are invited. The bride says come, but not only the bride, but the Spirit of God himself says come. We are invited and welcome. We can draw near with confidence knowing that we are the children of the Most High and that we are the bride of the Most High, that we are welcome and invited to the throne of grace 
that we will and may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. We are a needy people. We are. We are a needy people. We have a helper, comforter, advocate for our souls. Amen. God is not only present, he is involved. Amen. He's not just a million miles away. He is right here in this flesh, in this temple. Amen. Let's look at the book of Acts 17. Acts chapter 17. And as you turn into Acts 17, verse 26, I'm going to give this testimony. Of years ago, 2008, I was led to move into a tent in 2008. I lived in a tent for seven years. And then God brought us to this ministry building that we live in here now. But in 2008, moving into a tent, I first went to a particular campground. And, of course, all the campsites were numbered. One, two, three, four, five, so Well, I chose the campsite at the very end of the campground, the very last campsite in that section on that side of the lake. And the campsite number was 42. But the thing about it is the campsite number next to me was 28. So the campsite numbers went 1 through 28, and mine was the last one on a dead-end road it should have been 29. And I looked around that entire section of the campsite, campground, and there was no 29 or 30 or 31 and so forth. Why was it 42 instead of 29? Number 42 is very important in the Bible because there are 42 months of the Great Tribulation. And even though that was years ago, way back in 2008, more than seven years now, more than eight years now, that even though it was that long ago, God had a plan and a purpose. And he was not only present with me, but involved even decades before. When some man was going around the campground, numbering the campsites, painting the numbers on the picnic tables, that God laid it in that person's heart decades ago, probably 20, 30, 40 years before I even came to that campground, before I even knew that campground existed, before I was even born. Before I was even born, 
God knew from the beginning before the foundation of the earth, he saw that I would go to that campground. This is how omni-involved and active and all-knowing and present God is. God was alive at the foundation of that campground. God knew that I would be born. God knew that I would come there. And even though the Great Tribulation did not start that year, he was speaking to me to warn the people about the 42 months. God put it in that person's mind to paint that number on there. The person may not have realized they even heard the voice of God. The person may have just been having a, a uh, what they call a senior moment as far as that person's mind frame, as, per, as far as why they thought that they painted it that. It is also possible that maybe they were uh, 28 and 27 and 26 and 30 and 31 and 35 and all these numbers around there at one time, but got washed under the lake or blown away on Toledo. Only God knows, or maybe the people that own the place knows. But regardless of what happened, it was number 42. Amen. And God knew that I would realize the significance of that number. God is in control. God does speak to people in ways that they can relate and recognize that it's him speaking. If we are willing to be spiritually minded and not always saying it's just a coincidence or it has no meaning. If we are spiritually thinking, spiritually minded and always consciously aware of his presence and of his power, then it should be easy to say God did it. Amen. God is in control. Here in Acts 17, verse 26, he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew that eventually there would be the Russian, Chinese, and American, Australian, and Korean nations. It was all in God's mind when he made Adam. Every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. God knew millions of years ago that there would be the Korean nation, that there would be South Africa that there would be Australia, that there would be the United States. He wasn't building, creating just Adam. He was creating mankind forever. All the plans, he is a great architect. Knowing where we would dwell and appointing when we would go there and where we would go. I know that God appointed where I was born and when. I was born. And I have to thank God. But even when I was a sinner, 
moving from, even as a child, I have to go all the way back. That even though he had me to be born in Tennessee, that my parents divorced when I was like five years old. And then my first stepfather died or committed suicide. And then my next stepfather moved us away to North Carolina. I lived in more North Carolina than I did in Tennessee until I got born again in Tennessee again. I was born in Tennessee two times. (laughs) Praise God. If I had not been born twice, I would be dead. And that's the truth. Or in prison one. I spent many years in North Carolina and dwell in extreme wickedness. I lived in several different death styles. They call them lifestyles, but they're death styles. Eventually, because of those death styles, I even moved to Pennsylvania where I met Brittany through a mutual friend, a friend that was helping to hold me in bondage. And I moved away. Moved back. Moved away again. Moved back. Moved away again. (laughs) Then years later, after moving into the tent, God brought Brittany back into my life through the telephone and through the internet and even through the mutual friendship with the man that held me in bondage of my own free will. And even though I was a sinner during all that and a hypocrite, God was in control and determining the bounds of my habitation and my times and my seasons and who I would meet to meet my wife and bring her back to me and us back together. Amen. Praise God. So even the wicked, God determines. Even the Chinese, the Russians, the Koreans, the Australians, the South Africans, both Gentile and Hebrew, both lost and saved, both righteous and wicked, all mankind, all the children and grandchildren of Adam and Eve, every one of us, he determines where we live. God is in control. And he's not just present, he's in control. He's not just present, he's involved in where we live and who we know, who we meet. Verse 27, so that they would seek God. And if perhaps they might even group for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. God is not just an invisible God millions of miles up in the sky, but right here, right now. He is a right here, right now God. Amen. Look at Isaiah 46. Look at Isaiah chapter 46. 
I'll give you another testimony. Isaiah 46, verse 8. But another time, back in my tent, in those very first few months, I had prayed that if God wanted me to go on the radio, that he would make a way. And I did not look for any radio station. I did not call any radio station. I did not write any radio station. I did not look for one in the phone book or on the computer or anything. I only prayed that if God would want me to go on the radio for him to make a way. Then a corporation that owns radio stations across America contacted me and asked me to go on the radio. That's God. How can people say that there's no God? And how can people say that there's no miracles anymore? They, they happen constantly in my life. Constantly. I've got three notebooks full Page after page after page after page. Three notebooks full of where I have written down miracles that I have witnessed. It is miracles and blessings and provisions and ancient prayers written down in those three notebooks. Constantly, God is working and involved. He's active. He's not a couch potato God. Amen. But in those early days when I prayed and God brought those radio stations, people say that if, if it's God's will, then he'll make a way. But they use that as an excuse to not give their tithes because they expect that God would pour down upon my house thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to pay for those radio stations. But nobody wants to contribute a penny to it. So, because they want a God that does everything for them, but they don't want to do nothing to help. I'm talking about the majority of people, not everyone. I know that there are some people that do help and do care. But the majority of people, they expect God to do everything, and they don't want to contribute one penny or lift a finger. So my finances were drained, even though God was involved in it, even though God did answer my prayers. And he did provide the money, but it also meant that I had to sacrifice a whole lot as well. Amen. And even Paul said that he himself, the man that wrote most of the New Testament, that he went hungry and naked. But we know that God did ordain Paul, and that Paul did belong to Jesus Christ. He was true man of God, but he did have to sacrifice a lot for God. So there I was in my tent, and I was eating these ramen noodles, 
And at first it was these, uh, the noodle blocks that come in the plastic wrap. And when you first buy it, it's a lot of times hard as a brick. And you put it in water and you let it soften and the noodles fall apart. And it's just noodles and maybe a grain or two of corn or carrot or something. If maybe happened, one happened to fall into that pack in the assembly line. And then I graduated from eating only those and not hardly nothing but those every day, every meal, day after day, week after week, month after month of doing that. Graduated from the packs, plastic packs, to the styrofoam cups of the exact same thing, but having a little bit more uh, vegetables in it instead of one or two flakes of vegetables, maybe five flakes. And so I was sitting there, honestly, feeling sorry for myself in a way, and counting five kernels of corn in my noodles. But not long after that, driving down the road one night, seeking what church to go and visit at that time. And a song came on the radio that says something about a city on a hill all lit up. And I looked up, and there was a church on a hill all lit up. And I'm like, okay, that's where you want me to go. Because I was asking God, I was talking to God, I was communicating with God. God basically said, here is your answer. Here is where you go tonight. So I pull up in the parking lot. I go inside. I had never been there before in my life. And immediately upon walking through the door, they hand me a plastic sandwich bag with nothing in it but five kernels of corn. Not three, not four, not six, seven, eight, or nine, or ten, but the exact number of kernels of corn that I had counted in my suit. God is real. And he saw me. Even when I was in my tent all by myself, and nobody on this earth of billions and billions of people could see me all by myself. But I was not by myself. God is ever-present ever caring, ever understanding, and involved. So when I walked to the doors of that church, God was saying, I saw you, and I heard you. You're not alone, and I do care. Amen. I didn't need for God to give me a box of food. What I needed was to hear God say, I love you. And I did hear him say that by giving me those five kernels of corn. Amen. And now, I eat plenty. But also, still sacrifice plenty. But also, eat plenty. God has provided. Amen. In Isaiah 46, verse 8. Isaiah 46, verse 8. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God. And there is no other, there's no two gods or three gods. 
gods, or a two-person God, or three persons gods. There is only a one-person God, because we are not pagans. He says, I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things which have not been done. In other words, he spoke it before it happened. Saying, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all of my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. That means that he will bring the Assyrian, the Babylonian Antichrist on a tradition, man from the east, from a far country. He will bring that bird of prey, which is the symbol of Assyria, as a bird of prey. That is their symbol. He will bring that Assyrian to bring the chastisement of his people, the rod of his inundation. God has to spank his children, correct us, bring us where we need to be. Then he says, I have planned it. Surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are fall far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It's not far away. And my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. He planned all things from the beginning and everything that he planned will come to pass. God is in control. Amen. Even before the foundations of the world, he knew that he would have to bring the Assyrian for chastisement of his people. God knew all this before he laid the foundation of the earth. Let's go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. I'll tell you another testimony. That back when I was very, very young in the Lord, I had not been saved very long, I had heard all these people saying, God said this and God said that. And I wondered, you know, does God really speak to people? Is that just their imagination? Does God really speak to people? And so, one day at services at the church I was going to at the time, pastor's wife and all of us were up together near the altar and we're all praying together, all of us with our eyes closed and we're praying together and we start praying and the pastor's wife gives this testimony that years before she had been in a church with her eyes closed, sitting, praying. And she found something drop in her lap. And she opened her eyes, and it was a little index card box where they had all these names written for people that they were praying for. Some little boy, probably around five years old, I think, 
I may be wrong on the age, but probably around five years old, that has picked up that index card box from the front of the church and ran with it and dropped it in her lap and kept going. Now, that didn't happen just for no reason. God was in control, and God moved in that child, in his playfulness, in his burst of energy, in his mischievousness, that God was moving in the heart and mind of that child to pick up that box, to lay it in her lap and leave it there and keep going. In her testimony, she said that she said, God, what does this mean? He spoke to her and said something like that these are your people and now they're mine. She said almost every person whose name that had been praying for salvation, they all got saved, whose names are written in that box. As far as what they know as salvation, which is a seed of salvation in a way. But they have to eventually come out of Babylon. But we all went back to our seats. And when I got back to my seat, just as that woman years ago, perhaps decades ago, had something drop in her lap, in her seat, when I got back to my seat, there was this little, a boat, like a screw, that was laying in my seat. And it wasn't there before. And we had all been up there. Who could have laid it there? And I looked around, and the only person that could have laid it there, and the person that did lay it there, was a little child, about five years old. I laid it in my seat. And I said, God, what does this mean? And he spoke to me. He said, I will fasten you. It was a boat, like a screw that you used to fasten things with. He said, I will fasten you that you will never leave me again. And I will bring together all the pieces of the puzzle. Amen. Praise God. Not long after that, on my newspaper route, I had to take a break one day because I had to go somewhere. Because God had started putting these words in my mind, satanic clock off Panther Creek Road. And every morning, every morning, every morning, these words were in my mind as soon as I woke up. And that's the way God speaks to me a lot of times. It's the first words I hear in my mind when I first wake up. Even to this day. That's the way he speaks to me a lot of times. And but at that time, the words were Satanic Clock off Panther Creek Road. So I had to take a break off my newspaper route, and I went looking down Panther Creek Road, and there was a sign that said, Clock Repair. And God had been saying to me, Satanic Clock off Panther Creek Road. Here was a sign, Clock Repair. So I turned where the sign was, but I never, ever did to this very day. I even looked online. I have never, ever found a clock repair business anywhere in that region. But I did see a house. 
But when I pass that house, this wind chimes in their backyard. It's blowing in the wind like in a movie in slow motion. And I went down the road. I turned around. And this time when I turned around and came through their, uh, on the side road beside their house backyard, there's this big bird of prey perched up on top of the old shack, old agent shack in their backyard. When I saw that bird of prey, I didn't know what it meant at the time. But now I realize God is teaching me about the bird of prey of the Assyrian coming to America to chastise his people. But at that time, I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it was the house where God was taking me. I didn't know what to do. I went about my newspaper route, told people to pray. But that very evening, that very evening, I got back in my car from my grandmother's house after talking to my pastor over the uh, phone and after talking to my grandmother, telling him what had happened and asking him to pray, I get back in my car that very evening. And as soon as I turn the ignition, as soon as I turn the, the ignition, the voice on the radio was a minister saying these exact words as closely as I can remember now. Why did God take you to that house? Those were the first words I heard. Why did God take you that house? And, but that you are going to lead that person to Jesus Christ, and it will be the first person that you have led to Jesus. Why else did he put a piece of the puzzle in their backyard? God is real. And if you know anyone, Anybody, any words that does not believe in God, please send them this audio message that you're hearing today. God is real and active in our thoughts where we go and everything. And God is in control. Amen. Praise God. Jeremiah 23, verse 20. Jeremiah 23, verse 20, the anger of the Lord, originally said the anger of G, will not turn back until he has fulfilled, performed, and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. Lean not upon your own understanding. You may not understand everything right now, all the trials and tribulations and sufferings and what God is saying and what's happening in this world of chaos and confusion and Babylon, but God has a plan. He is present, ever knowing, and ever active. He is in control. The omni, omni, involved God. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. I did not send these prophets, but they ran, talking about the false prophets. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people and would 
hath turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God, God far away? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth? The problem with people is that we see God as a six-foot man or a ten-foot man on a throne in heaven, millions of miles above the earth. But the truth is, he's not just on a throne millions of miles up there, and he's not just sitting as a couch potato God on a throne constantly. Because if he was... And if he was really like the way that we picture him as a six-foot to ten-foot man sitting on a throne 24-7 that never gets up off his throne, then we would be lost and without hope. But he is not the way we picture him. The truth about God is that he fills the heavens and the earth. He's on the moon. He's in the sun. He's in the grave. He's in China, Russia, Korea, and Australia all at the same time. And there could be billions and billions and billions of people all over the earth. And if any of them dare to pray at the same time, he can hear every one of them equally. He can hear even the sparrow in the woods. Amen. And he cannot fit in a temple. That he fills the earth and the universe. The earth is his footstool. He is huge. He is not flesh. He is spirit. He dwelt in the flesh for a temporary time to save us of our sins. But he is spirit. And he cannot be put in a box. People try to put him too much in a box all the time. And that's why they don't see the miracles or recognize the miracles because they're always saying it's a coincidence. They're always saying that, that it has no meaning. That's not God. It's just somebody making a mistake when they're painting the numbers. Always making excuses of why it's not God. And God is ever ever, ever present and active in the activities of man. Psalm 139. Book of Psalms, chapter 139. Verse 1. Book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my fault from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know 
it all. He knows before we even speak, our thoughts is present. Only God knows all your thoughts. Despite all the wrong credit that people give to the devil, the devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not omni-involved. The devil is not omni-knowing. The devil is simply only nothing more than one little, wimpy, fallen angel. That's all the devil is. People give the devil way too much glory. The devil is not God. The devil does not fill the universe. The devil is only an angel. Only God fills the universe. Only God is ever-present. Only God is ever-knowing. And only God can hear your thoughts. Only God is all-powerful. He even knows our thoughts even before we speak it. In verse 5, you have enclosed me before, behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Yes, God did lay his hand upon us. Amen. I believe that God touches us. As a caring father touches his child, speaks to his children, teaches his children, hugs his children. God is the involved father. He does not leave us as orphans. He is the father of fathers, the man of mans. He is the almighty God. I laid your hand, your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot obtain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, behold, you are there. People think they can escape from God by suicide. They cannot. For God is present even in the grave. There's even other verses that confirm that. God is in the moon, every planet, every sun, every star. Every galaxy, every solar system, and in the sky, and in mankind, in the wilderness, and in the grave, you cannot escape the presence of God. But that doesn't mean that you know he's there when you're in the grave. doesn't mean that you know he's there when you're walking in your house that God is present. Verse 9, if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell on the remotest part of the sea, in the middle of the ocean, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and night are alike to you. 
For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully worked in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. Amen. When, as yet, there was not one of them, God wrote it in a book before we were born. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the same. When I am awake, I am still with you. Amen. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not detest those who hate you, O Lord? But do I not loathe those who rise up against I detest them of the utmost detest they have become my enemies. Am I changing the word of God or am I reading it the way the spirits would read it? Is God the God of hate or the God of love? The answer is clear. Man's words and translations and versions of the Bible have been twisted and translated poorly, every one of them. For the word of God is living and active in my soul, in my mind, in my heart. And I know the mind of God, even though I am but human, that God dwells in me. And who knows his word better than he does? I'm not changing his word. I'm speaking it the way it should be translated. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Amen. Well, if we're full of hate for the wicked people, and there's a lot of hurtful ways in us, and we've got to get rid of that hate. Amen. But we do detest their wicked ways. Job 34. Look at Job chapter 34. We are not Babylon. Therefore, we don't read just one verse and preach on it. But here little and there little, line upon line, precept upon precept. We need to read the whole Bible. And if there's anyone listening that has not read every word of the Bible yet, I urge you, I ask you, I beg of you to please commit to start the goal of reading the entire Bible. It's really not that difficult. You can read the entire Bible in only one year. 
Year after year after year after year goes by, but it only takes one year to read the Bible. And all you got to do is just commit and promise God. Because you know if you make a vow to God, you've got to fulfill that vow. So if you want to read all the Bible, promise God and say, I will read all the Bible. An average of three chapters a day is what I recommend. That doesn't mean you have to read three chapters every day. You could read one or two or three or four or five, however you're feeling that day. But I recommend three chapters a day. And that three chapters a day, going a little bit less sometimes, going a little bit more sometimes, you can reach your goal in only one year. And how can you say that you know what the Bible teaches unless you read all of it? But there are preachers and lay members alike who think they know what the Bible teaches and think they know the Word of God and have only read only a little bit of the Bible. But if we really want to understand Scripture, we have to get rid of one-verse theology, which is what all these religions and what is all these denominations and all these doctrines of man are based on is one-verse theology. Read the whole Bible so that you can get the whole picture and all the pieces of the puzzle brought together. You have to read the whole Bible. There may be a day coming, the way this world is going right now, that they may take your Bibles away from you. We need it written in our hearts. And it cannot be written in our hearts if we don't read it in the first place. Job 34, verse 21. Job 34, 21. For his eyes are upon the ways of a man, and he sees all of his steps. Not just some of his steps. Not just some of the things we do. Not just the big things we do. See, the problem is that people think that God sees only the big sins, but not the little sins. And that God sees only the big uh, important dates in your life, but not the little important dates in your life. They think God is present only when you curse, only when you sin, but not present when you're doing well. People think that God is present only at the major traumatic moments in your life but not when you're just having supper. The truth is God is ever-present and sees all of your ways and all of your steps at all times, day and night. God is there. Amen. And he cares about the little things. He cares about even the little things. If you are saved, that means you have God living in you. He's not just visiting on the weekend. He's living 24 hours a day with you in your temple, in your body. He hears, that's how he hears every thought. But even with the wicked, without the Spirit of God dwelling in them, that Spirit still sees them and hears them. Because God is not limited. God is great. Amen. Allah cannot do any of these things. Buddha cannot do any of these things. You could put a bowl of soup in front of Buddha 
and the suit will still be there tomorrow, and you will have to change it out because Buddha cannot eat. Buddha cannot even clean his own body. You have to take a wash rag and uh, some pledge furniture polish and sign him up every day and sign his bald head. Buddha cannot eat or speak or answer your prayers or, or hear your petitions or heal your body or save your soul. And Allah is dead and Muhammad is dead. There's nothing they can do to hear your prayers either. Only in Jesus Christ is there ever present, ever living, ever active, ever caring, ever understanding God of peace and joy and victory and deliverance and redemption and salvation. And all of this and more, I cannot even sum it up. In, in two hours or three hours or four hours, he is so great. All I can do is give you an introductory introduction to All I can do is invite you to the wedding. All I can do is say that you're invited and you're welcome and please come. The Spirit says come and the bride says come. Come. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I'm almost done. Matthew 6, verse 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, your inner chamber, your prayer closet, and close your door. It doesn't say you have to leave it cracked so that God can hear you. It doesn't say you have to turn on the internet so that God can hear you. Do you know how many people say me prayers over the internet, through the website, where instead of asking me to pray for a certain situation, that they are actually speaking to God. This happens so much, and it's so frustrating. They are literally typing their prayers to God and sending it to me in email on the prayer request forms on the website. Because they think that God cannot hear them. That they have to email God through a minister. Well, let me just forward your email. Let me just forward your prayer to God because I have his email address and you don't. It's very sad because it's mostly Catholic people. Mostly people that don't read the Bible. And they feel like God is a million miles away. That God doesn't hear their prayers. They don't understand how much God loves them. Sees everything they do. Hears their every thought. Sees their every action. Hears about it, understands about it. He wants intimate, personal relationship. He wants those people to turn off the internet and go in their prayer closet, close 
the door. Where nobody can hear their prayers except for only God and them. Two people. God and the person. Only two. Intimate speech. Pouring out our heart in secret where no man can hear. Lord God, save Lord God, help me of this, help me of this, help me of that, help me of this. But you do not utter a word of help me, help me, give me, give me, give me, give me until you praise God first. He is king. He is God Almighty. How dare you go into the presence of the king demanding everything you want? Like if you just found a bottle on a beach and you rub it, he'd give you three wishes. As if you're the master and he is the servant. How you dare you enter into the throne room demanding your things that you want without, without honoring the king. When you present yourself to the king, you get down on your knees. And you honor the king. You tell him who he is. You glorify him. You lift up his name. You surrender yourself. You lay yourself at his feet. He is the master. You are the servant. He is the father. You are the child. And you bend your ears and your knees at his feet and listen to him as well. Don't do all the talking. Shut up and listen to him a little bit too. Because he doesn't just want to hear your problems. He wants you to hear his problems. God does have problems. He even gets angry and sad and frustration. God has problems. His own people reject him. His own people turn a blind eye to him, a blind ear to him. And if he's living in you, you should feel his emotions more and more and more as you draw closer and closer and closer to him, as you become to know him more by reading the Bible. And by going into your secret prayer closet, which might be your car, your camper, your garage, your basement, your attic, your bathroom, or out in the woods somewhere. Get some words in private, just you and God, and speak to him on a personal level, and then try to hear him while you're reading the Bible. As you're reading the Bible, I really, really, really recommend that people read the real Bible. And what I mean by that is turn off the Internet and open up the hard pages of your Bible. It would be so much more beneficial, so much more beneficial. Because when you're reading the Bible on the Internet, you can only see as far as that four-inch screen or six-inch or 12-inch screen, whatever size of screen you have on your phone or your laptop or your computer. And you can only see it as the phone in a very limited fashion will allow you to see it. But with a hard copy of the Bible, you can see an entire chapter, maybe two chapters. With the Alpha and Omega Bible, you can see entire chapters, two chapters, three chapters sometimes within a glance. 
And God can move your eyes around and make a certain word stand out, even more of a hard copy than what it is with a computer, that he will make a word stand out on the page or verse or section, make it stand out from the rest to a certain degree. And you'll pick up on words and sentences and phrases in other places of the chapters and pages that you can't see on the computer. I'm telling you, the computer is limiting people's relationships with God. And it's limiting his voice. And yes, I know that God can use the Internet. I have a ministry website on the Internet that is reaching even into Australia and Korea and South Africa and Nigeria and all across the world. People are visiting the ministry website and finding God, getting saved, being baptized, learning about God, becoming more intimate with God because they can tune into this broadcast on the Internet. So thank God for all this. But, but, if you really want to know God, open up a hard copy of your Bible. And that will open up new dimensions, spiritual realms, in becoming intimate and close to God. And one of these days, that Internet's not going to be there you're going to need to know how to find Jeremiah in the Bible. And you might have only two minutes to find it because the soldier may be just right around the corner. And not only do you need to find it very quickly in the Bible, but it needs to be engraved in your heart because that soldier, when he comes around the corner, may very well take your Bible away from you. And burn it. People in this modern society today, especially in the Western civilizations, think that everything is going to be hunky-dory. Everything's going to be okay forever. It can never happen to me. It can never happen to America. It can never happen to Israel. We're going to be here forever. The great tribulation ain't coming. The end of the world ain't coming. People going around walking blind, not realizing what is coming, what is coming in the days ahead. They, they don't know. But if we read the Bible, the Bible foretells not only the good things and the mercy and the grace of God and his love, but also warning and repentance, chastisement and judgment. We've got to take the whole message. Enough with the Joel Olstein feel good, tickle your ear message. Let's read the whole message, which includes warning and great tribulation. There are days coming when that bird of prey of the Assyrian, the president of Syria, will fly in the sky. He's called a bird of prey for a reason. Now, I know I say things at times that people don't understand, and people's like, that is impossible, and I've never heard that before, and that's strange. But if you read the Bible... It says very clearly, very clearly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that about the coming of the Lord and our gathering to him, that that day will not come until falling away come first, but also that the man of sin, the son of perdition, what they call the Antichrist, will be revealed. 
which means seen, and that he will sit in the seat of God, in the temple of God, showing, displaying himself as God. And people interpret that as being a man on the temple mount. That's not what it says. There is no temple of God on the temple mount, and there will not be a temple of God on the temple mount. I don't care what you have heard from these religions and denominations of mankind where even the ministers do not know the Bible. They only know what mommy and daddy taught them. They only know what the cemetery university of the Baptist church and the Pentecostal church and the Catholic church has taught them, but they don't know the Bible. When it says the temple of God and the seat of God, that is what it means. The Bible itself says that the seat of God is in heaven, and the Bible itself says that the temple of God is in heaven. That bird of prey, the Assyrian, fallen angel, will be seen in the sky. And Revelation 13 says the whole world will worship him. Yes, that sky was split, that eastern sky was split, because everybody has been brainwashed, programmed by religion as men. That we in that sky splits, that it's Jesus coming before the great tribulation. And that you will fall on your knees and worship him. But you will be falling on your knees to the Antichrist. And you will be worshiping the Antichrist if you stay in the lies and deceptions of the strong delusion that's been taught to you by Babylon, preparing you to worship the Antichrist. He will sit in the sea of God, in the temple of God in heaven. Revelation 12 says there will be a war in heaven. The devil and his angels fighting with Michael the archangel and his angels. They are not up there fighting over $10. They are not up there fighting over a billion dollars. They are not up there fighting over one person or an acre of land. They are fighting for the throne of God. The Bible itself says, that he will be taken out of the way, meaning Michael the archangel will be taken out of the way. He will step aside. Daniel 12 says that Michael the archangel will rise, step up, rise up, and leave the throne of God to allow the abomination of desolation in the holy place which is in heaven. So I must prepare you for these very, very dramatic events that are going to come upon the entire earth that people you know, your family, your friends, your co-workers will worship him because that sky will split. They will think it's God and it will be commanded for the whole earth to worship him and there will be great miracles. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the dead will rise and you won't be able to buy or sell unless you worship the Antichrist. And they are already marking the products in the store. In your town where you live, there is already a mark appearing on some of the products called the halal mark. 
The halal mark means the manufacturer of that product has signed an agreement to submit to Islamic Sharia law, and it's already in the store in your town already. Every person listening to me is already in your town all across the world. It's already law in Iran and Syria and Saudi Arabia and many other places across the globe that you cannot buy or sell unless it is marked with a halal Sharia law mark. And it's coming to other places as well. And they even publicly declare out of their own mouth that it will be on every product in the world. They publicly state that and they actually call it a mark. Now, come on now, people. It's already started. And so if you think you're going to fly away out of here before all this starts, you've got another thing coming because there are already people in the nation of Syria already being beheaded for refusing to say that Assad is God above all gods, even above Allah. And I didn't read this on the Internet. There's a woman who is from Syria her family still lives in Syria, and she says that people in Syria are being beheaded for refusing to say that Assad is God above all gods, even above Allah. I've even got video proof of it on the website at isawthelightministries.com that his soldiers are forcing people to say this. The people in Babylon, the religions of man, the churches of men, and these pastors that don't know the Bible... They're teaching you, you're not going to be here. You're not going to have to worry about the mark of the beast. You're not going to have to worry about being beheaded and who the Antichrist is. And it's already happening, but the pastors are blind. And they're so focused on telling you about the love and mercy and grace of God, but they won't warn you about the chastisement of God. Amen. My main message today, the omnipresent, omni-active, and omni-involved God. But not only does that show that you can live in peace, but it also shows that he loves you enough to tell you in advance what's going to happen so that you can be ready. Amen. The book of Revelation was written for this time and this generation. The book of Revelation was not written only for 2,000 years ago, but more so for you. And you were ordained to be born in the year you were born, the place you were born, the parents you were born from, the people you meet, and the people you're going to meet. And everything that's going to happen is planned. And God is in control. So regardless of what you see, regardless of what you hear in the years ahead, regardless of the torture and the beheadings and the invasion and the nuclear warfare and the chemical and biological war and all the tragedy you're going to see, regardless of the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the floods, and regardless of what the devil's doing, regardless of what Obama did, regardless of what Trump is doing, regardless of what Assad is doing, God is in control. And God is a great architect. 
that has everything, every, every, every detail, even the number of hairs on your head, planned. God is in control. Fear not. Rest. Prepare as well. But have a heart of peace that God is involved and active and in control. Amen. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Hug God and he'll hug you back. Speak to God and he'll speak to you back. And you will see miracles in your life. You can go into your prayer closet as it says here in Matthew chapter 6 and he'll see you in the secret room. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room, the inner closet, the secret room, and close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He is faithful to finish the work he began in you. And he is faithful to give you the rewards in the end. If, 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 the pastors don't like that word, if. That if you will stay faithful unto the end, once saved, always saved, eternal salvation is a satanic lie of the devil, which leading a lot of people to the lake of fire. But if you stay faithful to the end, let's look at one more verse. John 15, verse 15. Now, I love John 14 and John 15. I'll tell you what, if you are ever in a time of trouble, a time of distress, a time of mourning, a time of agony. John 14 and John 15 is the atomic bomb of finding peace. I tell you, John 14 and 15 will make any trial, tribulation of any sort fly away. And you'll come into the presence of God and you'll be seated in heaven, in heavenly places, just by reading these two chapters as well as the book of Ephesians. Oh, Ephesians. I don't see how anybody can read the book of Ephesians without shouting or something. Same thing, John 14 and John 15, and Romans 8 as well. The Bible is so full of incredible gold nuggets, incredible violence that will energize you. B6 and B3 is nothing, and B12 is nothing compared to John 14 and John 15. John 15, verse 15. John 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves or do I call you servants. No longer. For the slave or servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. And people's like, but we can't know. We can't know who the Antichrist is. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't know this. We can't know that. We can't know nothing. We're just blind, ignorant fools. Is what people want you to think. But the Bible says that we can know the mysteries of God, even the deep things of God. That God wants to speak and communicate with us there's nothing to be hidden from us. And we can do all the same miracles that Jesus did and more if we will surrender our lives to him and be spiritual creatures instead of carnal, 
wimpy wimps. We've got to stop being couch potato Christians. We've got to stop blowing God away and saying, this is just coincidence and that's just coincidence. We need to acknowledge God at all times. I'll tell you one last testimony. I could tell you testimony and testimony and testimony after testimony, but I'm about to tell you only one. More. And that is that the razor, I'll tell you about the razor. Maybe tell you about the razor. But what I will tell you also about the car one. I don't mean to lie. I'm trying to figure out exactly where God wants me to go. But there was a time when I went into a uh, Walgreens uh, pharmacy to buy a razor. Now, when did I needed that razor to accomplish a purpose that I committed a vow to God that I would uh, shave off all my hair and then only trim my mustache where I would cut all of it off but once it started to grow back I would trim my mustache and trim my mustache only and start to grow all my hair and never cut my hair again except for under only certain circumstances under the covenant that I was making with God. So I won't explain all the details of the covenant that I made with God but basically, that would cut my hair one time, grow it back, never cut it again, except for under certain circumstances. But I would need a razor to accomplish all these different purposes and still be able to trim my mustache as well forever. But I couldn't cut or trim any of the rest of my hair. But I could with my mustache. Because I don't want hair growing down in my mouth, inside my mouth. That would be gross, right? I've got to be able to eat. So God is understanding of this. God is not a monster to say, no, you can't trim your mustache. You've got to grow even that. But he is a God of understanding. And so I prayed about it because I didn't have much money. And I'm sitting in my car outside of Walgreens Pharmacy, and God helped me to get the right razor at a good, affordable, cheap price. I don't have much money. So I go in, and I'm looking at the razors, and I'm like, which one do I get? And a lot of them are out of price and everything. And But then this woman that's working there, she comes up to me. I didn't go up to her to ask for help. She came up to me. And she asked what I needed in a razor. I explained it. And she said, well, follow me because I've got a razor already laid out on the counter over here. So I followed her to the counter. And she said, I, I don't understand it because I don't know where this razor goes. I've looked all over the place in this store. It don't, it don't belong here. It doesn't go anywhere. But I've got this one razor that doesn't belong anywhere. 
And I'm like, yeah, I like that razor. She's, she, you know, she, she's like, I'll ring it up to see how much it is. And it was like something like, yeah, it was $4.99. The cheapest razor in the whole store as far as electronic razor, which is what I was looking for. And it wasn't just a razor. It was a whole razor kit, a really, really nice razor kit, like what you would see for like $55 or something. And it was $4.99. And she kept repeating, I can't understand it. And she said, you can have it. So that's what it's being up for. I'm like, I'll take it. And I told her, it's God watching after me. She said, it must be. And she kept repeating, I can't understand it. But some people would be Oh, it's just coincidence. But I don't believe in a God of coincidence. I believe in a God in control, a God omni-involved, caring, understanding your needs, knowing what you need, and answering your prayers if you are surrendered to him. And I don't mean that you said a prayer when you was a kid. What I mean is you're living your life for him 24-7. You'll make mistakes, but you always get right back up on the bicycle and keep riding instead of putting the bicycle away, instead of putting the bicycle in the garage and never riding it again, instead of giving up on God, instead of blaming God, instead of condemning God. You get right back on your bicycle, and instead of saying, instead of saying that God can't forgive me, you always realize, yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you sinned. Yes, you fell off and skinned your knee. Yes, you might have even broke your leg. It may have even been a really bad sin and a major sin. But God doesn't want to just cast you away. God is your father. You are his child, the apple of his eye. He wants you to draw near to him. He seeks you to draw near to him. He is there willing to pick you up and accept you back, reconcile you to himself, as long as you're willing to get right back on the bicycle and keep pedaling, keep riding, and learn how to not fall again, not keep repeating the same mistakes constantly, but coming to the point where you have a made-up mind that you're not going to repeat that sin. You've got to come to that made-up mind that you're going to live your life for God, not for yourself but for God, and that you love God. You've got to come to that. He is worthy of all your love, all your praise, and all your attention. He is an ever-involved God. We need to become ever-surrendered, ever-involved, ever-active in return for him, surrendering even our very lives, if so be it, and and that we become a living sacrifice, sacrificing ourselves, our lives, our time, our money, our resources, our energy, our thoughts to him. There's nothing else that is worthy to talk about. There's nothing else worthy of attention. There's nothing else. Forget the football. Forget the baseball. Forget this. Forget that. Let's put our focus on God because the time is short and he is seeking a people who will pay attention to him and what he is saying. 
and his messages are urgent and important and for the salvation of your soul in this day and time. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's all the message today. Uh, we do have a ordaining ceremony coming up sometime soon. It will be ordaining a pastor in South Korea. I don't know the date and time on that right now. We was going to do that tomorrow night, but something came up there. He does have a wife and work and things to, you know, he does have other things going on in his life as well. Uh, he does have to have an income coming in, so he does have to work and different things in his life that takes up his time as well. People don't understand how busy pastors are. And <clears throat> so right now, uh, I have to wait to hear back from him about the exact day and time that we're going to be doing that. But you're welcome to join in when that date and time is announced for that ordaining of Pastor Kim in South Korea. So we're looking forward to that. We've got the days of term coming up here very shortly in two or three weeks. I'll be talking about that some more and writing about it on the website. We've got Passover coming up very quickly as well. We'll be talking more about that. And I encourage you to visit the website, isawthelightministries.com. Isawthelightministries.com. I really encourage you to check that out. Thank you for listening. I do welcome you and invite you to listen again next week and every week at the same time, same location on the Internet. We start broadcasting at about five minutes until 2 o'clock Eastern time, five minutes to 2 Eastern time every Saturday is when we do these broadcasts. And there's several different ways you can listen. You can find out more about different ways you can listen. You can also uh, save the broadcast onto your computer, burn it onto CD. If you want to make a CD of this, of course, you may have a hard time fitting it all on one CD. You might have to make two audio CDs to fit it all in. But you're welcome to burn it onto a CD and send it to your family, friends, or or get a or get a maybe an internet link to send it to people that way as well. Share it with people, tell people about it. We do have a lot of different ministries to try to help you. We have a flyer ministry where you can print out different topics to hang up flyers around your community to tell people the truth and to warn them about the strong delusion, which is a very important, extremely important, extremely urgent message People must be warned about the strong delusion of 2 Thessalonians 2. And lots of other important messages, such as the halal mark, the president of Syria, the invasion of America, the invasion of Australia, uh, the Assyrian invasions, all this. And all this backed up by Scripture. Totally, totally backed up by Scripture that I saw the light ministries. Thank you for listening. Have a good uh, rest of your day, the seventh day. Spend time in prayer and worship to God and and uh, worship God always. And always be thankful and have gratitude toward God in all things. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.